Okay, so last week we started off on Spirit of Adventure Harvest. We said the starting point was you. And then we looked at why we should spread the gospel. The starting point is you, so that's why you have to be able to answer the question, do I have good news? Am I feeling that this... Am I living in the reality that this news, this story, this information that I want to pass is good news, is the best possible news? How did you get on with answering that question? How many of you said, hmm, on a scale of 1 to 10, I marked myself at 10 being absolutely exuberant and delighted and excited about this, the goodness of this news. How many tens did we have? One. Two. Okay, and I thought there was a third, but it was Stephen just lifting his phone up to look at it, and I got all excited for a moment. Okay. Hmm. How many sevens did we get? Okay. All right. So, for each one of you, which is all bar about five, given that it starts with us and we couldn't mark ourselves higher than seven about the goodness of the good news, what was it you had to do in order to get a gooder good news? You, know, you learn words when you... I mean, we teach English and everything here. You had to say... Lord, help me. Because I actually believe it's very, very, very good news, but I can't mark myself as living in the goodness of it. So it may be we have to kind of throw off or get delivered from our natural limitations, uh, uh, not being very exuberant, whatever it may be. But so here's the question, here's the big question. Given that there was only half a dozen that could actually say that they were brimming over with the good news. How many said, Lord, I need to hear, I need some adjustment so that I'm living in the goodness, yes, of the good news. It needs to bubble up inside again. I need to be thrilled. I need to be overawed with the reality that you came to earth for me. Yes? Now, we never do anything that's condemning in this church. We only ever exhort to a greater step, the next step. If you didn't do that last week, you have a God-given opportunity to do it now. And there was silence. To do it now. Not about going to the dentist. It's about asking God to give us something of the reality so that we live in the good or the reality of what we actually believe to be true. Do you think that might be a good thing to ask? Yes. Okay, let's, let's ask him now. 
Lord, we're not here just to gain some information. We're not here just for an exhortation. We're here meeting with you. And we recognize, Lord, that you are a God that does, not just says. That you're a God who fulfills your word. And Lord, you've said if we ask you for something, you ain't going to turn your back on us. And so, in order that we are properly prepared, will you grant to us a new measure of the appreciation of the wonder of this great salvation? So that almost beyond our ability to get out words, we will be bubbling with the fact of who you are and what you've done. So that we are those who are overflowing with the goodness of the good news. Will you grant that, Lord, please? Amen. Let's say amen again. Because that means, so be it, Lord. Okay, so that was the one point. Then the other thing was, uh, why do we do it? Because we're commissioned. Remember? Commissioned. We have a commissioning from God. It's a very special ordaining from Him. We're empowered to be the bringer of good news. I mean, God is God. He could have had a fun day and said, I think what I'll do is on certain days I'll um, equip monkeys to speak or giraffes to shout the good news. Could have done that. I mean, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. You know, he can... He, I mean, look at some of the things he did do. I mean, it's a bit way out, wasn't it? Yeah. How many of you ever spat on the ground, made some mud and stuck it on somebody's eyes? I mean, you know, it's a little bit... I mean, he, yeah, no, he does enjoy himself, you know, and he wants us to enjoy ourselves. So, yeah, I mean, he chose, not anything else, but he chose you. you commissioned to bring good news watch see how I'm doing it right now you do it Richard you're not supposed to smash her face no I was very gentle you are commissioned chosen by God to be the bringer of good news. <clears throat> we finished up last week by saying, it, you misbehaved. I had to deal with you last week, didn't I? That's why you're sitting in the front this week. I can keep my eye on you. It's all right, Jane, don't worry. I've got it all under control. All right, last week we finished up by looking at that scripture that says, I will make you fishers of men. I will use you. He said it to the disciples. They would understand what that meant. Now, look, it doesn't mean we all go fishing. It does mean that 
as well as drawing us into, the, into himself, into that revelation, into that switching on something that up until that point just was not switched on. Coming alive. Bible talks about being born again. He goes on to say, I will make you fishers of men. Now, all right, fishermen have bait. It's a different bait. Actually, it's a different strategy. It requires a different attitude. Fishermen love the fish because they can sell them and make a, uh, make a living. That's not for us. It's not about how much we can make out of it because they actually belong to him. So different attitude. But isn't it interesting that he spoke to fishermen about something they could understand to, so they could interpret that and understand something what he was talking about. And he uses some important strategies. See, here's the strategy. He talked to them about food. In other words, he engaged in something they cared about. When uh, Sylvia shared with me this book that so, or this chapter of the book is so impacted about um, honour and shame cultures. Finally, a very interesting thing, and I've, I've kept a number of these things lodged in my head. Not a lot lodges there these days, but that did. The importance in certain cultures of sharing food. Now, our Muslim neighbours on both sides where we live, every so often, will bring us food. They're, they're demonstrating something like that. Well, sometimes we've got to adapt to, to, to be understood within a culture. And, and we've got to be ready to step out of our own limitations, our own culture, our own ways, in order, just like Jesus talked to them about making you fishers of men in a way they could understand, we've got to kind of bridge that culture uh, so that we adapt and open the doorway to express something of our love and honouring in cultures that are very much bound up with that shame and honour thing. Now, one of the ways in which we can do this, without being just kind of struck on the food thing, is to ask this question. Lord, who can I bring something to today to help them come closer to the kingdom? It's a question to ask. Lord, is there someone that I could bring something to? Maybe a word, maybe a meal, maybe any other practical thing that would somehow help them to come closer to the kingdom. It's my suggestion. It's something, a suggestion for action. By all means, write it down, but it's definitely for action. So here's my next one. Remember, there's a lot of questions in this. Would you do that? Would you do that? Lord, is there someone that I could bring something to this week that would help them to come closer to your kingdom. Now, it may be delivering food, 
maybe nothing to do with food. But it never happens until we are prepared to ask the question. So I'm going to ask you, would you contract with me before God to say, yes, I will ask that question. And if he gives me something to do that will help someone come close to the kingdom, I will be delighted to do that. If he doesn't, I'll be delighted to trust him anyway. Yeah? Will I ask the question? Yes? Good. Excellent. We're making progress. Coming a step close to the kingdom is not the same necessarily as somebody immediately being born again, meeting with Jesus. Some time ago, I was conscious of two of the brothers that I knew from Zimbabwe had come to this country or to Ireland. And I got this sense that they were just wasting their lives, that they were just almost rotting away. They were in Northern Ireland. No, nothing wrong with Northern Ireland. It's just that's where they were. Oh, dear God. No, no I said that very clearly. It's, not, it's about Northern Ireland. Oh, dear, I can get myself into trouble. But more than that, it, it became a sense, I need to do something. So I jumped on a plane and went there. It was Innocent and Moses. Well, the time went on and I just want to mention one thing about Innocent. He eventually came here and he's done very well. He's now uh, assistant governor of a prison. Um, but before he, before he was here, he back, back into uh, Zimbabwe. And I then became conscious of Edmore, who was after he'd had the accident, gone back to his village and just knew that he was not in a good place and wasn't doing well. But I couldn't get there. So I contacted Innocent and said... I, I pay the money, pay the fare, whatever. Will you go to the back end of nowhere? Because I believe it's the time to rescue Edmore. And he did. And of course, he rescued him and Edmore came back to be established in God. See, the trip to Northern Ireland didn't really look that there was any particular significance other than... I simply did that thing that God gave me to do. It was a bit bizarre. It was a bit strange. But it led, and this is the point I want us to get hold of, that if we do what God gives us to do, we don't know where it's going to lead. It may lead to that person coming to know the Lord right there. But it could be two or three or more steps down the line. We're only responsible for the thing that he gives us to do. But to ask him and be willing to respond and act on the thing he says. So let's have a little look about how to actually reach out to people for Jesus' sake. How to go about it. Often, again, Jesus asks a question. If you look, you see the number of times in which he asks a question along the lines of, what can I do for you? 
How can I, how can I help you? No. Do you want to be healed? I mean, it's, it's a, it was a question that started off not a kind of accusation. It was, what can be done for you? I guess our question would be, is there something only God can do for you? Is there something that you would like God to do? Of course, we need to be looking for the Spirit of God to lead us. I mean, we're conscious of this current directional emphasis and therefore have an increased expectation. It's his season. It's a particular emphasis. It's always right. But it's a particular emphasis, a particular season that God is speaking to us about using us to reach others with the good news of the gospel. And God will lead us. I can't remember always the stories I've told you, but they're so good. If you've heard it for the tenth time, just rejoice, you know. If you hear it enough, you'll be able to tell it yourself. This was when we were back in the Pentecostal church, and Teen Challenge was the big thing. Anybody ever heard of Teen Challenge? Yeah. It was just really starting. Part of what they were doing was they had a... uh, people that would go out from America to minister and there was this trio that came to our church and uh, it was a brother and two sisters Um, and uh, of course uh, with my um, focus being very clearly on the gospel I related to the brother the sisters were nice but it was the brother and he said to me What's the worst place to go? Remember, he's just out of Teen Challenge in New York. And so I took him to Soho, where I'd spent in my former times a certain amount of time. And I was thinking that we'd, as we got out of the car, anybody that we saw, we would begin to say something about Jesus. And we just walked around. This is, this is strange. And we walked past drug people, prostitutes, and just walked past us until we came to a certain point, a certain person. And he said, this is the one. Do you know what? I learned something then. And interestingly, this is years ago. Uh, and I've recently had contact with him. Once he moved on, he started a church in... Uh, Texas, and uh, uh, so we've had had contact recently from all those years ago. This is what I learned. See, it's, if it's not a duty, see, in the past to me, it was a duty. You just had to tell everybody, you know, everybody you could speak to. No, it's about being led of the Spirit. And I learned it there, and interestingly, I, it, it's really stuck with me over the time, being led of the Spirit. And this is... This is not a difficult thing because this is what God wants. And God will lead us. As we attune and open to him, he will lead us. And uh, I learned that. It was a very, very key and interesting time that he'd picked up from his experience in the States. But let's have a little look um, at Jesus approaching someone. Let's uh, turn to John chapter 4. I think I might read this. Uh, so that we're just familiar with the story. This is 
where he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well. This is John chapter 4, and I'm just going to pick it up. Uh, verse 7, when the, he's at the well, all right? Um, he sat down, the uh, Bible says just the verse before, he was tired uh, from the journey, so he sat down by the well. Uh, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, uh, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, Whoa, hey, 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 you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? The reason being, actually put it here in the Bible, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, as the background to that, I don't have time to go into it, but there's, there was quite a kind of cultural background in that. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. See, he's opening up that there's something beyond the natural. Something that is more satisfying than the natural could ever be. More satisfying than anything in the natural could ever be. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Well, that would be a good one. It's like getting it on tap instead of trudging to the world. See, her mind was yet in the natural. Yeah? He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. There's an interesting dialogue going on here. Jesus declared... Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is a spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth, the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, 
I who speak to you am he. Amazing, amazing discourse right there. But let's pick up a few things from that, which will apply to what we're going to do this week. As a kind of loving, caring approach. Always we read about Jesus first being moved with compassion. A loving, caring approach. He overcomes that social divide because Jews considered Samaritans basically had intermarried with other nations whilst in exile. So it was a big sort of doctrinal and cultural issue. He's aware this woman's divorced five times and the current man's not her husband. So he's aware because God has shown him that he's dealing with somebody that has not got the best, the best morals. But he asks questions and notice he listens to the answers. He's learning what matters to her. He's engaged to the point that he's learning. He's engaging in her or their topic. That's why we've been looking at and continuing to look at these hot topics. She was, he was showing an interest and removed the barriers. It's interesting how things lodge in mind. I was talking through with Jamie this week about these things. And he remembered something that had happened to Nathan. And I asked Nathan if he would just come and tell us about that. Isn't it interesting how important these things are when we tell what God has done, we tell what's happened, it can somehow stick in the memory and feed us in time which is to come. So um, I was doing a lot of um, evangelism in Romford and we were wanting to um, start a church there, essentially, as our revelation was then. And uh, so I'd go and meet people and share the gospel and ask how they were doing and, and seek to find windows of opportunity into their life. All at the same time, thinking it's very important that I present a good reflection of Jesus, um, which, you know, is challenging. Um, so all the problems that I had, all the difficulties, I kept them very close to myself while I was trying to find out what was going on for other people. And then some time back, uh, someone that I'd been talking to spoke to a friend of theirs who then spoke to me. He said, Nathan, he's really pretentious, isn't he? And uh, so this got back to me like they're having a little bit, bit of a gossip about me. And it got back to me. I thought, oh, yeah, I am. It's true. And so that impacted how I did things. And so a few years later, um, I was working just down the road. And uh, I wasn't doing well with God. Things weren't going well. It was in a really dry patch. But by that point, I'd learned that God would rescue me. And whilst I felt bad at this time, I knew that God would rescue me. So with the friends I had at work, I I wanted to take a different approach to what I had taken a few years before. So I let them see. I said, Nathan, how are you doing? I said, terrible. Not really hearing from God. Doesn't really feel good. You know, it just sucks. And I felt that I could be open and let them see the journey because I knew that God would take me to a better place. And then when God did... I could then open that up to them and let them see how that journey went for me. So being real uh, becomes a very important aspect. 
And Jesus did this. He was, he was actually personally vulnerable. Uh, he asked her for a drink. He, he crossed those barriers and asked for a drink. It kind of shows that we value the person. Um, you know, he's asking, he could have expected to be dismissed from that because of the cultural divide. Uh, could have expected criticism or some kind of condemnation. See, sometimes that willingness to be served is, is really important. Uh, I find it interesting, uh, the things that God will use. I, was, I got a bag of stones and was, was spreading them on the front. And my neighbor came along, the same neighbors that I was talking about earlier on. He said, oh, I'll do that for you. Uh, hardly had he started and the neighbor the other side came. So I'm just standing there while my two Muslim neighbours are doing the work for me. And I thought, you know, this is really important as part of the sense of expressing we receive and value, even though we know that there's something much better that God has got for them. He entered into uh, the discussion that she was the line that she took and he showed respect for what she believed. Then, of course, behind that was this very, very important thing. There was acceptance. He was aware of the moral mess of her life. By the way, we're all sinners, saved by grace. Uh, and he gently leads her to the truth. Acceptance is being prepared to receive somebody and also to enter into the issues they had. So um, my game, same neighbours I'm talking about, they had uh, um, somebody drove down the road and smashed their car and then spun across and smashed the other one. And this was after they'd also been burgled and another car stolen. And I mean, it was just, this is all pretty recent. So they're talking to me. What can we do? What should we do? Uh, and I, I said, well, we've, we've really got to complete, uh, complain and, and report these things as much as possible. Because from my days of Neighbourhood Watch, I realised that the more t reports and more complaints lead to more action. So I remembered that there was this thing that Sue faithfully attends. What, what's it called? The what? Uh, Neighbourhood, panel. Neighbourhood panel. Ward panel. Ward panel. Dear Lord, God's got a special reward for her in heaven, I am assured. But, but I said, OK, I'll take you along to this ward panel where there's the opportunity to meet with the councillors and I mean dear me it's like pulling teeth it's just a slow process but you know it's democracy at work that was that was kind of something that I did but you see there was another time a little while before when we heard 
there was a, a core team meeting in my front room. And we heard this crash outside. And uh, of course, I was really going to leap up first, but it just so happened that Nathan and Phil uh, were closer to the door. And they ran up the road, the guy had driven off, but they managed to catch him and apprehend him and for the sake of the neighbour next door. Um, I think it was terrible because we were having a religious meeting and that was disturbing our meeting. (laughs) See, we're looking not for the problems that others face, but how we can identify, how we can show we accept the people, how we would stand with them. Uh, in these situations because this is part of building the platform. But then, of course, he goes on, having gently leading her to truth, and he asks that poignant question or makes that statement, go get your husband. See, here, he's operating in the same gifts that God gives us. It's revelation, word of knowledge. He, he knew, not because of a conversation, but because God had revealed that she'd already had the five husbands and this one wasn't a husband, so and so forth. He wasn't judging her, but he was showing that supernatural revelation. See, God is a supernatural God. We're being asked on his behalf, to introduce people into a supernatural experience. So it's not a great surprise that there are some supernatural elements that can take place in this. It's not a matter of having a great argument that you can somehow convince somebody uh, by the the sort of rationality of their mind. People do not come to know God like that. That's why it's important that we realise that... Sometimes I think we get stuck and think that maybe words of knowledge or revelation or whatever, whatever area we call it in is just for within a meeting. No, no, this is for within life. This is what God gives us in order to equip us for his great and wonderful purpose. So, ask this question and that takes it another stage interesting at the same time he doesn't get drawn into some argument is he greater than Jacob who gave them the well in the first place do you notice how Jesus never felt compelled to answer everything that was put to him we have to be careful of that because a little bit of our kind of Ego can creep in and we feel that we've got to have an answer for everything. Well, he didn't even try to give an answer. He continued in the direction that he was going. He took up an issue about where to worship, but he steers it according to his agenda, to truth. So we're not debating, we're not arguing. I don't think anybody ever came to Christ because somebody won an argument. Neither do we need to be diverted onto that which is insignificant. But he, he's already and still showing he values her. And he actually then commissions her. He says, go and tell your husband, 
gives her a role, a job to do. It's important that as we're sharing the good news, we let God show us what is actually behind a question or a comment. See, somebody who's really hurting could come up with, and we'll look at these later on, but why did God allow? And we can go into all sorts of rigmaroles about that, but sometimes God shows us where the re- what the reason for the question is, and that's the place that we'd want to go. Uh, letting God show us what is behind. And I think, again... It's important to recognize we're doing what God gives us to do. When I was thinking about this, um, I don't know if I talked about this last week. If I did, could you just look bored for a minute? (laughs) All right, just quickly look bored if I told you this last week, okay? Isn't that nice? Look, you're all smiling. (laughs) Uh, One of the first... Uh, of the drug people I was involved with, um, he was in a desperate state. And I did not know that he was to be the route through to others. I was very focused on him. So when I'm sitting there at my desk one day, I get a call. By this time, he's in prison and that he'd hung himself. Uh, it was, it was devastating. I couldn't understand it. I thought all the things that we'd done, all what we believed for. What I missed out on the fact was that through him, his mother came to know the Lord, and his father, who was a um, somebody that had known God in years previously, gone from Ireland. America got involved with all the gangster stuff there obviously quite a quite a character in the past but came to God but also it was through him that all the others that we had to deal with it opened up a whole area see I don't know how we whether we can whether we can just indulge ourselves on I cannot understand why in a given situation as against trusting God Lord what is next what have you got I think it's really important that we understand that that we can go off in one direction and it's right I mean when I think of all the work we've done in the Caribbean the one person that we went there in the first place just wasn't serious and in that, God gave us a help because he spoke to us prophetically and said, I'm giving you a stepping stone. I have no idea where that one person was. Uh, I learned some things. I learned a number of disasters through him. <laughs> Bless. But it led to the other things that God has engaged us to be in over these 30-odd years. So, we're approaching a situation. This is still about the how. 
Another question for you. This is not one for you, we're one to think about. You're going to start talking to somebody. Somewhere in your thinking, Lord, how would, how would Jesus be good news to this person? Lord, what is it, what aspect of what God brings, whether it's peace, whether it's security, whether it's an answer in some situation? I'm asking the question, as I begin or as I move out to speak to someone, Lord, how would Jesus be good news to this person? Expecting that God will show us, even as Jesus was led by the same Spirit, to pursue a particular direction. Very, very important. So there's no formula. Genuine interest is vital. We're not trying to... To, to say something to somebody just in order to try and hook them. That's, that lacks integrity. There has to, be, has to be genuine love and relationship, a heart that is stirred with compassion. And it looks to me as though he even missed his food. They'd gone and bought food and then he said, oh, no, I've got bigger things to deal with at this time. See, I once heard about a couple that had a baby that just wouldn't sleep through the night. And that baby lived, didn't deserve to, but it lived, <laughs> and grew up and then had a baby themselves that didn't sleep through the night. <laughs> Here's my point. Seriously. We've got to be prepared. We're talking about eternal salvation. Got to be prepared to be a little bit put out. Well, I, I didn't really like the way they spoke to me. Big deal. Well, they might not like me. Hmm. But if they come to know Jesus... You know, we can't get into that sort of what about me in this. Miss a meal, miss ten meals, miss time. We're talking about something that's worth a lot more. Mark McGrath always says, uh, make, um, make your main point easy to remember. Now, his point, those of you who have read the book, is... Uh, can I tell you about a 2,000-year-old Jewish man that's still alive today? Well, it's, it, that's not his whole story, but it's a kind of little catchphrase that, that sometimes sticks. And of course, sometimes uh, Jesus did what we call object lessons. He'd bring a child out and stand a child there. He'd wash some feet. So it's not just about words, and that's what we're saying, about demonstrating the love of God. Was it St. Francis of Assisi who said, uh, by all means preach the gospel and if necessary use words? I might have got the wrong person there, but somebody said it. Don't let's be afraid to repeat, I try to model that time and time again to you. My basis for that is if God did it, I'm only walking in the example that he gave. Uh, by the way, that story 
I don't, if you were looking bored, you didn't do well. Remember you had to look bored if I told it to you last week? I didn't pick, no, that, that's, that's right, see, nobody looked bored. You look bored now, but nobody looked bored then, you know. <laughs> Jesus came, Luke 19 tells us, to seek and to save. It's an active, engaged approach. To seek and to save. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's a tailored approach. One of the things I used to like to do, I know you weren't supposed to do it, but because I was often travelling uh, on my own late at night in the car, I would... I always thought there was a lot more hitchhiking went on then that I would pick up hitchhikers. And, you know, once you're in the car, you've got a captive audience. Yeah. And... But I did, because there was lots of reasons why you shouldn't do it. Um, people getting knifed and all that sort of thing. Uh, I had one guy brought out a knife once in the car. He said, look, see what I've got? I said, oh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is what I did. Lord, is this the person? Is this the one? It wasn't just everybody, just as God showed us so that we might have that opportunity. There's some great times then. We drove fast, so there's no chance of anybody getting out while we're going along. I think even more so, the person who used to amaze me was Richard Cole. In being with him in a number of situations, uh, how he would be led of the Spirit of God in the way he approached things. I remember getting off the plane in Lungi once, and it was during the... Uh, demobilization, whatever it was called, DDR or something like that. And one of the programs that we were doing was uh, uh, working with these ex-rebels. And uh, so he wanted me to go and meet them. And there's a group of about ten of them, and I've never seen so much muscle in all, all my life, other than looking in the mirror, of course. Um, <laughs> but I was amazed. inappropriate laughter I was amazed at the way he spoke to them as against the way he would speak to Tim Sebastian on hard talk or the way when we were doing a concert in St Edwards and then I think it was Nathan or one of you that had him come up and speak and there's all these hundreds of kids in total silence I thought hmm, this guy knows how to respond to what God is saying. Not only in what he's got to say, but how he's going to say it. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's being led of the Spirit of God in that situation. So, seizing the opportunity as you know God's given it to you. Another important thing, as the Spirit of God leads, uh, there's opportunity. Jesus, obviously, with the Samaritan woman, the story we've just looked at, um, just last year, about this time last year, we were coming back and uh, stopped at traffic lights on the A12 and a car went into the back of us. And so uh, we pulled round the corner because we're right in the middle of the A12 there and shared, got details and so on and so forth. And I thought, hmm, don't get an awful lot of chance to talk to people these days. But then it was interesting because... He was willing to pay, 
and uh, I got a price from Lexus, which was through the roof. I thought, well, I don't know, I think, let me see if I can get a... I sent that to him, he was willing to pay, but I said, let me see if I can get a better price, which I did, and got the work done, and then had him come to give the money. We'd had lots of email interaction, so he knew that there was something different. He knew that we weren't just trying to rip off, which then gave the opportunity to begin to talk to him and uh, to share what we were about and uh, invite him to the carrot event. He didn't come. I don't have ongoing contact with him, but I did the thing that God gave me to do at that time, seizing the opportunity. And it felt better than just sort of shouting at him and explaining to him the level of foolishness in which he'd entered into in going into the back of my car, how important my car was, and, and so on and so forth, which would seem a bit petty by comparison. The other thing that I have always think is, is interesting, which I want to commend to you, um, there are three types of people. There's the type of people you want to talk to, and they just you know, oh, nice for you, not really interested, you know, kind of. There are those who show interest and those who are quite anti. I learned that the best people that God is leading us to are those who are anti and those who are interested and those who just kind of take it or leave it. Yeah, that's not the time. And when I was stockbroken, there was a guy that was a kind of peer level, but always seemed to feel he was in competition with me. So uh, it, it was a slightly obnoxious character. Um, but he was one of the people that after I'd left, it was worth going back to have lunch with to talk further to him. And he would, he would do these things like right across the office. He would say... So, John, what does a Christian think about this then? And I always felt if he was asking me across the office, it was only fair for me to answer across the office. <laughs> so, to a degree, the gospel was preached across the office. <laughs> so, let's think. It's not about argument. I'm not trying to convince. It's not a belief system. We don't want anybody to change their religion. The best thing I can say about religion, all religions, including the religion called Christianity, are all a total waste of time. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not a religion. Not a set of beliefs. Not a way of life. All of these things may flow out of the change that God works in us. Of course, we want to be able to give an explanation for why we are, how we are, what we're seeing and what we're feeling. But equally, it's not our job... Guys, don't ever be backed into a corner where you've got to kind of defend God. God is quite big. He's well able to look after himself. I do not feel the need to, to defend God. I feel the need to turn aside from spurious arguments. But we're talking supernatural. We're talking about a God who wants people 
to come to him because he sent his one and only son to die for them. Who's prepared to engage in that? And at times, I've found it's a very, very good thing. So, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure, I don't even know if God is real. Could we ask God to reveal himself to you? We can't determine how he's going to do that. You might have to take the consequences, but can we ask God to do that? Okay. So there was this guy, and he was one of the roughest, toughest of the lot, and we had enormous sort of discussions. And One day we got to this point. We said, can we ask God to reveal himself to you so that you know and off he went. About half an hour later, I've never seen anybody so white, so shaking. I mean, literally shaking. Because as he'd gone home, and this is a guy that wasn't worried about walking down alleys because he knew that he was more likely to be the person that you'd encounter down an alley than anybody else. God had revealed himself. The fear of the Lord had come upon him and he'd come running back because God had just revealed himself. And that still happens today. Uh, can't always tell you all the stories, but it happened just recently uh, that God just revealed himself. Guys, we're doing, we're commissioned by God. We're doing his work. We can reckon, as we said last week, he's going to back up whatever we want whatever we say that he gives us to do. Letting God reveal himself. I love that story. You know when the, the religious people got hold of the man that had been healed from blindness and they were questioning him and who did it and what happened? He said, look, he said, I don't know. All I can tell you is once I was blind, now I can see. See, the experience, that's the thing. The experience of knowing God, the experience of meeting God. That's what people, we want people to come into. Very interesting how relevant he was, you know. He's out all day preaching to the people and then decides we need to do something about food. That's where the feeding of the 5,000 came from. In John chapter 7, uh, on the last great day of the feast... He stands up and says, remember, feast is a major thing. Anybody thirsty? He's got an audience right there. He's relevant to the situation where they were at that time. Interesting to look at, uh, at Zacchaeus. Uh, remember the story? Zacchaeus up in the tree, the tax collector. Uh, how did he know his name? Why did he go to his house? See, he was demonstrating acceptance instead of what Zacchaeus was, in, was used to, which was absolute rampant disapproval, because he was a twisting tax collector, you know, working for the enemy. Jesus was positive towards him, didn't condemn, offered him a future. And the other thing I thought was interesting to notice, it talks about this, um, just like normal everyday life. As he was walking beside the sea,
just going by a walk for a walk by the seaside. Obviously, led of the Spirit of God. But that's when he then spoke and called the disciples to follow him. Hmm. Well, our time is nearly up. We're going to have to stop there. Can we put in an extra meeting, perhaps this afternoon? All come back this afternoon. Is that okay? Yeah, good. Okay. All right. This is this is what to go away with. I've given you five things. I'm going to recap. It's okay. Five things that Jesus did because he is our model. Is our example. I'm going to run through again. And then this is the question. Which, and you're not limited to one, but which of these five would you like to see for you this week? Remember, we've already prayed that we would have a greater sense of the wonder and joy of this salvation. But this is an additional thing. What would you like to see this week? i give you the five. Have all five if you want. Or choose one of them. Number one, or A, let's call it A. He asked questions and listened to the answers. To learn what mattered to people. B, he was personally vulnerable. He asked for a drink willing to receive. C, he showed amazing acceptance. He was aware of the moral mess of the woman's life, but he was willing to accept her. D, he asked a very poignant question. Go get your husband. Or it was more of a statement than a question. See, he experienced God revealing something to him to enable his conversation. Sometimes call it word of knowledge. And E, he takes up her issue about where to worship, but steers it to truth. A, B, C, D, E. And the other one is how is Jesus good news? In what way would he be good news to the person you're speaking with? Yeah? You got those? Yeah? Hmm? You missed C. All right. You want them all repeated? Okay. All right. A, he asked questions and listened to the answers. Learned what mattered to the person. B, he's personally vulnerable. Ask for a drink. It's what we do at the hub. We allow people, ask people to engage, give something back in. C, acceptance. He was aware of her life. 
nature of her life, of her morality, but demonstrated acceptance. Think of it like this. If this week God was to invite you to speak to somebody that, whose lifestyle is abhorrent to you, it's basically that ability to accept. D, ask the very key question, the operation of the word of knowledge. And E, takes up her conversation, we're talking about where to worship, but steers it to truth, a skill to steer something to truth. <coughs> Father, we thank you that you instruct us and enable us, but far more than that, you go with us and you empower us by your spirit. We ask, Lord, that these interesting times, these times of your choosing, that you would grant us the privilege of using us to bring good news, to glorify your name. Amen.